Well, hello again. So we, uh, last week, we started a new series called Grave Diggers. If you don't bury it, it will bury you. Dun, dun, dun. I'm not a huge scary movie guy. Just, I just, I don't really, it's never been my thing. But uh, it's spooky season, apparently. That's what the people tell me. So we're going to do a little spookiness. Talk about the devil and spooky things this morning because there are things inside of us that if we don't bury them, they will bury us. Just like Michigan buried Penn State yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, go blue. It wasn't yesterday just a great day for college football. Michigan won, Alabama lost. Even Michigan State won yesterday. So like it was just, it was a good day all around. It was a good day. Um, yeah, and none of that's going to matter in two weeks when we get Michigan, Michigan State. Yes, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Um, anyways, yeah, talk all day about college football. Grave diggers. Um, our key verse for this, this series is in Ephesians 4. It'd be a great one to try and memorize uh, in the next couple of weeks as we go through this. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. We're going to start off there this morning. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. This is Paul talking to people that have just made a decision to follow Jesus, to serve Jesus. And he says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts, renew your attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We have kind of a key thought for each week as we're going through this, that God wants to make you into something new. God wants to make you into something new and not some robot conformity thing where we all just look and dress and talk and like we're all just the same thing. Like not at all. God created you. God knows you. God knows what the best version of you is. And that's really what God wants to do is help make you into the best you possible. And who better to help mold us into the best us possible than the person that created the entire universe, the person that created you, the person that knows you the most. So that's what we're talking about. God wants to make you into something new, into the best you. Today we're talking about we're going to take off the lies of the enemy and we're going to put on the honest truth from Jesus. We're going to take off lies and we're going to put on truth. Because God has this intense desire to help change us into the best possible us. In order to do that, we've got to bury our sins. Because if we don't bury it, it will bury us. Bum, bum, bum. All right. Um, so for those of you who like to take notes, I think some of these are in the notes. I kind of forget what we put in the note sheet because my ADD, I don't remember things very well. And I forgot to grab a note sheet today to look and make. So if I miss some stuff today, I'm just going to apologize right now because it's probably going to happen. So sorry. Just out there, we'll, we'll, we'll get you caught up if we miss some stuff. All right. Uh, we're going to go a little deeper than we went last Sunday. Last Sunday, if you missed it, we had some fun playing in the dirt. It was a lot of fun, but you know I'm Family pastors like to play in the dirt. So last Sunday, we took some of our sins, we wrote them down, and we buried them in the dirt. Uh, it was pretty powerful. I, I mean, it was powerful for me to do it last week, and we've done it with some students in the past, and it's always really powerful. So if you missed that, you know, do it today. Find a piece of paper, write some stuff down that God is working with in your life, and just 
bury it because that's our goal. We want to bury and get rid of that stuff that's burying us. Today, we're going to go a little deeper. That's an amazing step. But now the question becomes, how do we keep that buried, right? So last week, God kind of revealed some stuff that, you know, we're always growing. We're always trying to overcome something. So God kind of revealed some of that. We buried it. What's next? How do we continue to bury our sin? So today we're going to talk about some nice, light, easy topics. We're going to get into sin. We're going to talk about theology. We're going to do some really fun doctrine talk. And we might even talk about Satan. That's fun. We might talk about murdering some grandmas. You know, we'll see. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun day. Um, I know I'm weird that the words doctrine and fun go together, but just trust me. Just trust me today. We're going to get into some doctrine. It's going to be really, really fun. And most importantly, God's going to move. God's going to move. We're going to be changed, and it's going to be really meaningful. So as we jump in today, yes, talking about all those different things, um, before we jump in, will you just pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you for you. God, we pray that you will speak, that your Holy Spirit will just move in all of us, in our hearts and our minds, that you will speak to us this morning through your scripture, through everything that we have prepared, so that we will change the way that you want us to change this morning, Jesus. We love you. We give everything to you. Amen. All right, so how do we bury our sinful nature? We're going to get into it today. Step number one. I think this is in your notes. Step number one. First, we have to recognize our sin, right? If we're going to overcome something, the first thing we need to realize is there's something to overcome. Step one, recognize your sin. It's a lot of what we did last week was spending a few moments just letting the Holy Spirit speak to us. And what is it? Let him reveal some things that we need to overcome. Recognize our sin. Um, I don't personally believe that at any point in our life we can ever get perfect, where like we no longer have sin struggles to, to overcome. Uh, doctrinal terms, we call this glorification, the moment when we no longer struggle with sin. What an amazing moment that will be, right? The moment of when we are completely in glory and we no longer have sin struggles. Personally, I believe that that happens when we get to heaven. At that point, awesome, perfect. It's going to be awesome. No more sin struggles. But in this life, we're going to constantly have sin struggles. The goal, the hope, is that we continue to grow. And so the next sin struggle that I have is not as bad as the one I'm struggling with now. And it's not as bad as the one that I struggled with last year and five years ago, which, which, which makes sense, but there's like this weird kind of doctrine of sin thing where we kind of think that all sins are the same. So we're like, well, all sin is just the exact same. And that's just not true. Sins are different. Some are worse than other ones. Now, there's some commonalities between sins, which is how we get this all mixed up. Because like all sin separates us from God. All sin means we have fallen short of God's standard. And that's all true. But we can fall short in different ways. And we see this all throughout Scripture. It makes sense in our heads. But sometimes we get this mixed up. So um, I'm going to share an example. Uh, I sinned a couple years ago. Um, now I've sinned a lot since then, but this is just one example. Um, I was driving home. I don't remember where I, what I was coming from or what I was going home to do, but I was in a hurry. I was in a rush, you know, like we always are, right? Even though usually it's not for a good reason, but I was in a rush. I'm going home and I see this old lady in my neighborhood, older lady, and she's carrying her groceries from her car into her house. And I felt that nudge of the Holy Spirit. You know, you get that little whisper, you get that thing in your head. 
And it's like, Brandon, you need to stop and go help her. And I don't nope, I'm too busy. I got to go do whatever this next thing I need to go home and do is. I don't have two minutes to stop. And, and I didn't stop. I just kept going. Didn't even really think about it. Then I got home and like 30 minutes later, I was like, oh, that was the Holy Spirit saying to go and help that person with you know, taking their groceries inside. Or maybe there was something else she needed help with that me stopping could have, I don't know. But I know that the Holy Spirit said, Brandon, stop and help her. And I did not. That would, we would call that a sin of omission when we don't do something that the Holy Spirit asks us to do. That was a sin. I had to repent of that, confess of that, get forgiveness from God for that. Now, that's not as bad as let's say I would have stopped my car and stolen all of her groceries. That would have been worse, right? Like we can start to see how this this works. Like different sins are worse than other ones because that wouldn't be as bad as if I stopped and, you know, murdered a grandma. That would have been bad. We don't want to murder grandmas, okay? That would have been worse than just not helping her with her groceries. Different sins are, some are worse than others. And the goal here in life isn't to be perfect. Our goal in life is to make progress. Learn this through counseling. Progress, not perfection. That's our goal. Doctrine terms, we call that sanctification. That's just the process of growing, of overcoming one sin struggle and moving on to the next one that is a little less severe and we can move on. Uh, In high school, I had a really hard time controlling my tongue. I said some really mean things to a lot of people and I've had to struggle with that. I'm not over it. I'm not perfect, but I've gotten a lot better. I have grown in that struggle. So that's kind of what we're talking about here. We want to bury our sins. We want to keep those sins buried, knowing that it won't be the last time we need to come up to the dirt and bury a sin, if that makes sense. But hopefully we make progress. The next one's not quite as bad. Step number one, we need to recognize our sin. Progress over perfection. Step two, we need to recognize the lies of the enemy. And this is really where we want to spend most of our time today. We want to recognize the lies of the enemy. And when I say the enemy here today, what we're talking about is we're talking about Satan, we're talking about the devil, whatever name you want to give for that spiritual entity and all of his minions Because there is only one Satan. He is one person that can be in one place at one time. He can't be everywhere like God can be everywhere. But he has minions that are all around that are always lying to us about some different things as we try to bury our sins. Which reminds me, we're going to play another game today. I forgot about this game. It's going to be a fun game. You ready for this game? It's going to be a really fun game. What we're going to do is we're going to dig up some of these and we're going to read them and we're all going to try and guess whose it is. Ready? Okay, it's gonna be, just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Your faces, though, were great because there was like some of you were like, oh, that looks like fun. And some of you were like absolutely terrified, like, oh, that was good. All right. What we're going to do today is we're going to try and get into step two, recognize the lies from the enemy and all his minions. In the book of John, it says that the enemy... Satan and all of his followers. In John 8, 44, the enemy is the father of all lies. 
All lies come from one point. If we trace it back, Satan, the father of all lies. There's a really great message series from Pastor Craig Groeschel at Life Church. Where, uh, it's called When the Devil Knocks. Some of this today comes from that. Here's a couple of things that he said in that series. And if you want to go deeper, that's a great place to go and look to get some more information on this. That the enemy is kind of diff- does there's three different things. He is a deceiver. He tries to attack our minds with lies. The enemy is an accuser. He's going to attack our hearts with accusations. And he is a destroyer that he wants to attack our will with pride. How many of us struggle with one or all of those things? Amen, right? The enemy is going to do all three of those things. Today, we're going to talk about really the deceiver part, the lies that the enemy attacks us with. And there's three big categories we're going to look at. There's some other smaller ways that the enemy lies to us, but there's three really big kind of categories we can put these in. There's some other lies, like, you know, being an Ohio State fan is okay. That's um, a lie from the pit of hell. It's not okay. (laughs) Anyways, number one, lies that the enemy attacks us with is he tries to lie in order to disconnect us from our true self. He lies in order to disconnect us from our true self. Um, How many of us struggle with, sometimes we call it negative thought processes. A lot of times that's the enemy attacking us and then we hold on to that lie and then we just keep repeating it in our head. Or we get lies like, you're a failure. Lies like, you're not good enough. Lies like God's punishing you because of all of these sins. Lies that the enemy is trying to disconnect you from being the best you. Remember, God is trying to create you into something new, into the best you. The enemy doesn't care about you at all. At all. Satan does not care about humanity. He does not care about you one bit. All he cares about is he hates God. And so he wants to do anything he can to hurt God. He knows that God loves us, loves people. So if he can disconnect us from God, that's his real goal. What's God's goal? To create you into the best you. And so the enemy, in order to attack God, tries to keep you down. So he lies and says, you're not good enough. You have failed. You have failed God. God can't love you anymore because all you do is mess up. Lies. Number two, he lies to disconnect us from God's word. Satan's pretty smart. Him and his minions, they're really good at this. Like really, 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 really ridiculously good at lying to us. So he wants us to get away from God's word, from the Bible, from scripture, from listening to the Holy Spirit in our lives. So he's going to lie to make you question God's word. Well, the Bible's not. I mean, it's an ancient book written by ancient people. Like, can it really, really actually apply to your life today? I don't think so. Can you actually trust it? Nah. You know what? You don't need to read your Bible today. You don't need to spend any quiet time with God today. I mean, you did that last week. You went to church once. Like, you're good. You don't need to spend any time with God today. Look, pull out your phone. Let's just scroll through TikTok instead. And all of a sudden, we're getting disconnected from God's word. We're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We're not spending time in our Bibles. The third big category is he lies to disconnect us from God's people. He's really good at this one. Really, really, really good at this one. You don't need other Jesus follower friends. Like you've already got your friends. You're good. You have plenty of them. 
we start focusing just on what the service is like on Sunday mornings. And I didn't like this song. And I didn't like the way that somebody did this. Or I didn't like the way the carpet was or the lights were, whatever. And we stop focusing. And the church isn't just a service on Sunday mornings, but the church is the people. And we need to be connected with each other. But the enemy lies to us and he gets us distracted with other things. And all of a sudden, you know, you don't need to go on Sunday. You're tired. You had a big week. And I'm not like a mister. You need to be at service every single Sunday person. I'm not that guy. The point of church is not to be here for a Sunday morning service. The point of church is to get us connected with each other so we can try and live out this Christian life together as a group with other people. And the enemy knows that because he's really smart and he's trying to stop us from doing that. He's trying to disconnect us from doing that. He's really good at it. He tries to get us connected to other groups so that we won't be as connected to the church. How many people are more committed to a political party than they are to their church? That's not okay. Church should be first. That's a lie from the enemy to disconnect us from God's people, from each other. Well, I can't talk to that person. They think this or they believe this. Or, no, no, no. That's backwards thinking. We should be, oh, they believe something different than me. Awesome. Let me go learn from them. And bam, now we're in better, bigger community where we are being challenged. But we do the opposite. And we just block all that stuff out. That is a lie from Satan. So we need to take off these lies that come from the enemy because these lies hold us back. God wants to change you into something new, into the best you. And the enemy is trying to lie to stop you from doing that. So we need to take off of these lies and put on something different, right? We talked about this last week. If I try and take something off and I don't try and put something else on, it's not going to work. We need to put something else on. We need to replace it with something. So if we're going to take off these lies, we need to replace it with something. Here's where we're going to start having more fun. That part's all been pretty bleh so far, right? Lies from the enemy. That's really fun to talk about. Let's talk about the fun stuff. What are some truths from God that we can put on in Instead, number one, all right, so God's trying to disconnect us from our true self, that you aren't good enough. You're a failure. The enemy is going to attack our identity. Who am I at my core? What is our identity? Well, let's read about it. Ephesians chapter two says you are God's masterpiece. That doesn't sound like a failure. God's masterpiece, God's workmanship, that doesn't sound like a failure. When I was in one of my lowest points four or five years ago, struggling with some depression, I read through Ephesians chapter two every single day for like two months straight because the enemy was hitting me so hard with this lie that I am not good enough. I am not good enough. I am not good enough. I am my failures. I am my failures. I am my mistakes. And I literally read this chapter of the Bible every day for at least two months in order to start putting on this truth that I am God's masterpiece. Ephesians chapter four, our key verse says, I am created and I have a new nature. I'm created to be like God, truly holy and righteous. Second Corinthians says, uh, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. The new life has begun. I'm not my mistakes. I'm a new person. First John says, see how much the father loves us. He calls us his children. That is what we are. What is our identity? It's not my mistakes. It's not my failures. It's not that I'm not good enough. I'm a child of God. All who believed in him, in John chapter one, all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. 
Should I continue? There's a lot more verses about this. You are good enough. Not because of you, but because of God living in you. Because of what God has done in you. Because God is creating you into a new person. The enemy is going to tell you, you're not good enough. You're your failures. And God's like, no, 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 no. You are my child. I love you. You are enough. You are my masterpiece created to be like me, to do the good things I created for you to do millions of years ago. Like, no, you are good enough. That is a lie from Satan. So on your note sheet, I don't know if a lot of you are like me. Whenever I take notes, I try and guess all of them beforehand. By the chuckles, I'm guessing some of you did. So this morning, I'm making it hard for you. So you can't guess them all. On your note sheet, I want you to write next to that line number one that uh, the enemy is trying to disconnect you from your true self. Write either I am God's masterpiece or write I am a child of God. Whichever one speaks to you more, write that on the margin. Write that on the side. There's no way you guys could have guessed that feeling beforehand. Number two, Satan's trying to disconnect us from God's word. He's really smart. He knows that spending time with God is the most important thing we can do. He knows that knowing scripture is our biggest weapon in this battle. And friends, it is a battle with the enemy. Hebrews 4, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Ephesians 6, when Paul's talking about the armor of God, he says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Satan knows our biggest weapon is God's word. If you can take away the weapon of your enemy, then you have a great chance of being successful, right? So the enemy is saying, let's get your weapon away because then you can't attack back. What happened when Satan tempted Jesus, for those of you that know this story, before Jesus went into his public ministry, he goes into the desert and fasts for 40 days. Satan comes and attacks him. He tries to tempt him. He, Satan, the enemy, takes Bible passages, takes God's word and twists it to try and trick Jesus. For those of you that know the story, you know it doesn't work because Jesus takes God's word. He takes his double-edged sword, the biggest weapon he has, and he says, not today, Satan! And he says this, poof, bam! Then Satan's like, ugh, okay, this one. Twist God's word again. Okay, how about this? Jesus is like, I don't think so! Poof! Okay, how about this one? Satan and Jesus goes, nope! Punches him in the face, and Satan goes away. That's my version. Kind of how it happened. Satan used God's word to twist things. Jesus used God's word to fight Satan. It's our biggest weapon. We need, we need to be spending time daily in God's word. We need to be spending time daily in quiet time with God. That is really the key in how we're going to overcome all of this, all of this sin to become a new person that God is trying to create us into, it happens when we spend time with God, when we spend time in the Bible, in God's word. And Satan's going to try and twist it. It's an ancient book. It's not relevant anymore. That's just not true. Now, I got some a lot of questions about the Bible. As you read through it, you're going to have a lot of questions that come from the Bible because it is an ancient book written by ancient people. It's absolutely still relevant to our lives, but there's going to be some questions that pop up. That's a good thing because those questions make us interact with it more. That's on purpose. God did that on purpose. You're supposed to go, that doesn't make sense. 
and then find some people that you can talk with to maybe help it make sense or just to get more confused. But now you have people that you're confused with, so it's better, right? Uh, <laughs> it happens to me all the time. So on your note sheet, next to disconnect us from God's word, I want you to write, God's word is my weapon. God's word is my weapon. God's word meaning scripture, meaning listening to the Holy Spirit. God's word is my weapon. And I've been debating on how much to go on a rabbit trail here. Um, for those of you, you know, that have heard me talk a lot with like Pulse or kids, you know, I go on a lot of rabbit trails, so I'm trying not to. Um, but we're thinking about, we're working on right now, starting a kind of a new podcast here at the church to kind of help us go on some of those rabbit trails. Uh, we hear often people want to go deeper than we can really do on a Sunday morning, 65 minute experience. So we're trying to create with some different media, some opportunities for that to happen. So we're going to we're, we're working on it. I'm not saying we're like, have it all figured out yet, but have a little podcast. Help us stay connected during the week with what's going on to go a little deeper with the topics we're talking about and be able to bring in some different crossroaders to interview and be a part of it so we can get to know each other a little bit better. So just keep an eye out for that. That's going to hopefully coming in the next couple of weeks because number three, the enemy's trying to disconnect us from God's people, trying to disconnect us from being the church. And we need people. We desperately need people. You were not created to go through this life alone. You were created to go through this life in community with people. So many people recently have decided that church is no longer meaningful. Church is no longer a priority in their life. And I don't mean just Sunday morning church. This is good. This is, this is a really good thing. We're around people. We're hearing things. We're worshiping Jesus together. This is a really good thing. But we need to take that next step where we're doing life with each other. The enemy attacks and the enemy wins when we are disconnected from each other. We need to try and figure out some ways to connect better. To connect better. This is something we're trying to grow in as a church. How amazing that as we have a church leadership that's like, you know what? We're not doing great at this right now. We need to figure some stuff out. We need to move from being a church that is friendly to a church that is friends. We talk about this with, with, with kids. We want you to have church friends. We talk with our, with our teenagers. We want you guys to have church friends. We need to talk about it with our adults. We need church friends. The enemy lies to you, says you don't need that. You already have friends. You already have people you can talk to. And that's good to have those people. You also need to have people in your life that also love and follow and serve Jesus, that you are close to, that you do life to, that you can call, that you can text, that you can go, I read something in the Bible today and it was super confusing. Or when stuff happens in life, because guess what? Stuff happens in life. You've got people that you can go, hey, can you pray for me? Can you come over to my house and sit with me while I just cry because this happened? And that doesn't happen by accident. That happens by us all agreeing that we're going to be intentional about making that happen. We need to create environments and experiences where that can naturally happen. And we've started some, we've got like some different sports leagues going, we got like volleyball going right now, we got basketball coming up soon. Get on one of those teams, meet some people. Women's Bible study, it's an amazing thing. You get to study the Bible and you get to meet some people. Maybe some people that you already know, but you can go deeper in a friendship with. We're working on, instead of doing a men's Bible study, doing a man day where we're just going to show up here or somewhere else and eat a bunch of barbecue and watch some football and do some axe throwing. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but we're just going to do some stuff 
in order to create an opportunity for us to like go deeper as friends because we need it. We need to move from friendly to friends. So on your note sheet, I want you to write, I need church friends. I need church friends. Let's look at the Bible because don't take my word for it. Last week, we looked at Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, that whole crazy story. Remember where they were when that happened? They were meeting together in someone's house. Later on in Acts chapter two, it talks about the very first early church. What were they doing in verse 46? They worshiped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's supper and they they shared meals with great joy and generosity. They got together and ate together. That's what they did, the first church. They're like, Jesus left. They had this day of Pentecost. They're like thousands added to their number that day. And they're like, well, what do we do? Their answer was, let's eat some tacos. Come on, it's Taco Tuesday. Come on over to my house. Let's do it. Let's pray and eat food together. That's what we need. There's this really cool thing too that happens um, with kids. There's all this research that's been done in the last like five to 10 years about which kids that grow up in church stay in church after they graduate high school. One of the things we have learned recently is kids that had, this gets really weird. This is my mic, I promise. Um, <laughs> kids that had non-family members come over to their house twice a month or more and new adults in their church that did not serve in the family ministry were way more likely to continue in church and continue in their journey with Jesus after high school. In other words, they had people from their church over to their house. If you have people from your church over to your house or you go to somebody else's house, your kids are way more likely to continue with their journey with Jesus after high school. It's just as, if not more important than all the stuff we're doing right now. In a few minutes, the kids are going to get released up there. We're going to hear this like rumbling sound coming from right there because they're going to... That's how we know we're about to be done here. Just as important as that is your kids need church friends just as much as you need church friends. And we're trying to make that happen up there, but we need it to happen out here too. We need church friends. Step number three, here's the real fun part, but sometimes the real hard part. We need to accept forgiveness. Accept forgiveness. This part can get hard. I think we can all understand logically that God will always forgive us. All of these things that we buried last week, when we ask God to forgive us, he will do it every single time. How awesome is that? That there is no sin you can do. There's no amount of sin you can do that God won't go, I love you enough to forgive you. Let's go. Forgive, move on. Let's let's, let's go. The problem is we don't always accept that. And the lies from the enemy try to get us to stay there when God's saying, that's forgiven. Let's move on to the next. But we're like, no, 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 but I stink. No, 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 but my mistakes. No, 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 but I'm trapped in this cycle of sin. And we don't accept the forgiveness that God is offering every single one of us. I think one of the reasons, and this is a much deeper conversation, but I think one of the reasons why is sometimes we get confused between guilt 
and shame. Guilt is this feeling and this thought that I have done something bad and now I feel guilty about it, right? Like uh, I went and stole all those grandma's groceries and now I feel bad about it. That's bad. I didn't actually steal the grandma's groceries, just to be clear, okay? But I did something wrong and I feel bad about it. That's guilt. Shame is I did something bad and now I am bad. See that difference? It's a small but huge difference. I did something wrong versus I am wrong. I made a mistake, that's guilt. Shame says I am my mistake. And I think part of the reason we struggle with accepting God's forgiveness is shame never comes from God. Never. If you are feeling shame, that is an attack straight from the enemy. Guilt might be the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, hey, there's some unresolved sin that we need to confess and get over and work on. Shame does not come from God. Shame is a way the enemy tries to keep us down. We need to accept that forgiveness and move away from shame, which is a whole other message in and of itself. Hopefully somebody needed to hear that this morning. All of that to get to this last sentence. We need to take off the lies of the enemy. Take them off. Whoop, get rid of them. Throw them away. We need to put on something different. We need to replace it with something. Replace those lies. Put on the truth from God. Here's the cool part. The truth that leads to freedom. Because that's what Jesus wants. Jesus brings freedom. Read through the New Testament. It's all over the place. Freedom in Christ. Enjoy freedom in Christ. Jesus brings us freedom. Freedom not to go do whatever you want. Freedom to go into the world as your truest self and show the love and peace of Jesus to everyone. Freedom to go into the world as your truest self, your best self, because God is changing you into something new, into something better. Freedom to go into the world as your best self, with your gifts, with your abilities, with your talents, Free to go as your true self in order to bring the love and the peace of Jesus to your world. How great does that sound? Whose world needs some peace? Remember, we serve the Prince of Peace. Yet our world doesn't always feel like there's peace. Not just the world, I mean our little circles of the world. When we're able to take off these lies, put on the truth of what Jesus says, we can be changed into our truest self to go into the world and spread that love and peace that only comes from Jesus. Today, wherever you're listening to this, whether you're listening on some podcast or you're watching on YouTube here in person, It's time to take off the lies of the enemy. I don't know which one, which fiery arrow of lies the enemy is shooting at you today. 
or has been shooting at you this week. But he's shooting them. He's shooting them at you. Lies to keep you disconnected from who you really are. Lies to keep you disconnected from God's word and to keep you disconnected from God. Lies to keep you disconnected from God's people. My prayer today is the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what lie is the enemy shooting at you right now? And that you will put on the opposite truth about what God says so that you can go into the world with freedom to spread the love and the peace of Jesus. Let's pray. God, you're amazing. I never want to lose sight of how amazing you are. I want to continue to be thankful that I serve a God that loves me enough to want to create me into my best self, to change me, that you want to help me overcome the lies that the enemy is constantly shooting at us. Not because you have some great grand plan for the things you want us to do, but you want us to get better because you love us. And you simply want us to be healthy. You simply want us to be close. How amazing. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that you will speak right now in this moment which lies are attacking us. Is it a lie about our identity, about our true self? Is it a lie about spending time with you? Is it a lie about the, the Bible? Is it a lie about something that's disconnecting us from God's word? Right now, do we have lies that are disconnecting us from God's people, from your people? Reveal that to us, Jesus, and reveal to us the opposite truth of what you say so that we can put that on to become whole, to become healed that we can make some progress this morning. We're not looking for perfection, Jesus, but we want to make some progress. We love you, Jesus. We pray this all in your amazing holy name. Amen.